Welcome to the Weber County Dems Digital Town Hall. My name is Jamie Cheek, and in conjunction with the team at Junction City Podcast, we are very excited to host a unique event that follows social distancing guidelines, but is different from your normal Zoom meetings. We have some really great Democrats running for local office, but we see that many of them struggle to get exposure outside of their current supporters. That's why we came up with this idea. How can we help magnify and elevate the candidacy of our local Democrats? And we settled on specialized town halls that highlight the local issues for the voters. But before I begin, I'd like to thank Zach Thomas and the Weber County Dems for helping to organize this event, and especially Gina Timmerman, who helped us in contacting the candidates, but also offered up her amazing home for us to film tonight. We have seven candidates here, and to help highlight each of them, we're going to do two different panels of candidates. We will have three candidates in our first panel, and at right around 7 o'clock, we'll switch to the second panel. So without further delay, let's start by introducing our first panel candidates. First up, Jason Allen. Thank you very much, Jamie. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here, and I thank you all for, for giving us this chance to, to share a thing or two about us and, and who we are. So I am Jason Allen. I am running for the Utah House of Representatives in District 11. District 11 is in, it encompasses Washington Terrace, uh, Riverdale, half of South Ogden, Uinta, South Weber, and a little por a portion of uh, Layton and Hill Air Force Base. And so uh, it's a pretty big area geographically, and I am excited to hopefully represent the people uh, from, from House District 11. I ran two years ago in 2018, and we came, we fell just short, and so we decided to run again after some of the things that were done over the last couple of years in the state legislature. We decided it was time to, to give it another go and try one more time. And so uh, we've got a lot more momentum this year and a lot of name recognition, and I'm confident that we're going to come out on top this year. Karina. Hello. Thank you so much, Weber uh, County Dems, for hosting this event tonight. It's an honor to be on the ballot in 2020 as the Democratic candidate for lieutenant governor with Chris Peterson for governor. Um, most of you may know that this year is the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. That was a great start. Over the last 100 years, we've made a lot of uh, improvements and changes so that more women have the right to vote, more people have the right to vote. And I can't wait to see what we can do in the next 100 years. Um, I got involved in politics because my mother passed away in the health care coverage gap. And I, I was honored to participate as one of five sponsors of Proposition 3 to expand Medicaid. So I'm passionate about health care access, housing affordability, education, mental health, and a lot of other topics. But as Lieutenant Governor, I would have oversight over elections. And elections are very important to me. We've seen what has happened with the three ballot initiatives that passed in 2018. Um, so the power of Utah voters is incredible. And I would work to uh, champion civic engagement and making clear voter registration deadlines and procedures so all Utahns feel comfortable participating in our democracy. Thank you. Okay, and Carrie. Uh, I'm Kerry Wayne. I'm running for House District 29. That's the uh, <clears throat> northwest quadrant of uh, Weber County. It also runs up to uh, Brigham City as well. Um, one of the reasons I chose to run was because of the fact that, um, again, the things that have happened in the legislature over the last little bit have just baffled me. I, I, uh, on the last, on the tax reform, uh, they came out, did a panel, told us we weren't smart enough to figure it out. I, I was insulted by that. I said, if I can't figure it out, I can sure find somebody who can. <laughs> and so uh, that's going to kind of be my goal. Uh, again, I, I 
think that the message that we voters have to hear is that we somebody cares about us. Somebody listens to us. And I think that that is something that has, with the GOP legislature, has gone away. Uh, they do what they want. They know they'll be reelected. Uh, I'm going to show them that they can't. We're going to change things. Uh, like Jason, I ran two years ago against the incumbent. This year, that's not happening. Um, so I think I have a better chance. I think that uh, if I can show the voters uh, that there is another path, that there is a, a different way to respond uh, to issues, um, I think this will make the big difference for us all. Okay, I agree. So we're going to jump right into questions. So we'll start with Jason. What does being a representative of the people mean to you? So that's a great question, Jamie. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I look back at what's happened over the last couple of years. In 2018, during a midterm election, we had unheard of voter turnout. It was pretty impressive, the number of voters that came and, and turned out to vote for the ballot initiatives that were put on the ballot because our legislature was not doing what the people wanted. Mm -hmm. And so we had some great questions and, and ballot initiatives put forth, and people came out en masse to, to vote and have their voice be heard. And one thing that frustrated me was watching the legislature then, Kerry mentioned it before where he said, you know, we were told we weren't smart enough to understand the tax bill. We, we didn't understand what went into Proposition 2 and the medical cannabis bill and Medicaid expansion. And they made decisions as what I like to call stewards. They were elected by, by, by the people and they feel as if it is their right to make whatever decision they want for the people as opposed to following the will and the voice of the people. So for me, being a representative of the people is one who is going out of their way to listen to the people, to, to take the feedback that they get from these ballot initiatives and learn from it. Learn the makeup of your district. In House District 11 in 2018, uh, our, our district voted overwhelmingly against question one, which would raise the gas tax. Our representative voted to raise the gas tax. Our, our district voted in favor of Proposition 2, which would make medical cannabis available to, to patients. Our legislator, our representative, voted to gut that bill. Mm -hmm. Our district voted in favor of Proposition 3, the Medicaid expansion bill. Our legislator and representative voted against that. And so for me, that, those were some of the big reasons why I wanted to run again, because I believe there is power in individuals listening to other individuals and working together for the benefit of all. That's great. Um, Karina, what are the con constitutional duties of the lieutenant governor, and what are you excited to accomplish if you are elected as only the second female Democratic lieutenant governor of Utah? Well, I want to add, add something before I answer that question. Like um, Carrie and Jason, I ran for Utah House District 5 in 2018, so I'm running again. <laughs> so I, I believe that there is hope for... Um, alternative candidates to win, different candidates with different views and, and perspectives. And I like this theme of listening to the voters, because I agree with, with that. But most people don't know what the lieutenant governor does. <laughs> the <laughs> lieutenant governor maintains oversight over elections, um, campaign finances, notaries, annexations, lobbyists, and document authentication. So those are the, some of the constitutional duties of the lieutenant governor. So if elected as lieutenant governor, I would explore ranked choice voting, um, expanding that, uh, promoting the success of Utah's vote-by-mail system, uh, researching cost-conscious and secure uh, online voting in the future, um, maintaining the security of Utah's voter registration database, and advocating for campaign finance reform. 
And beyond electoral issues, I mentioned some of the things that I'm passionate about, but um, studying the gender wage gap in Utah, um, homelessness, affordable child care, environmental stewardship, payday lending reform, rural economic development. Those are some of the things that are really important to me. And if elected um, Utah's first Democratic female lieutenant governor, I would work to ensure that Utahns make their voices heard through voting and civic engagement. That's awesome. Um, Carrie, you kind of hinted at a little bit of this with your intro, but what are some of the factors that influenced you to run for State House of Representatives in District 29? Okay. Um, I was very fortunate. I had a, a, a mother who was amazing, to say the least. Um, she always believed in family. Uh, she also believed in service above being served. Um, the Wayne family itself, we have John Wayne. So if you need, you know, <laughs> cattle returned, they'll get them back from the rustlers. If you need, the, you know, the bad guys who kidnapped your daughter to be brought under, you know, it's fine. Uh, also... Cousin Bruce Wayne <laughs> likes cool cars. I do, too. Um, but he likes to put them bad guys behind bars. And I think, um, besides having a real cool utility belt, I think that, you know, down in, in on Capitol Hill, there's a bunch of people who just don't get it. They think that it's okay to have air that poisons your lungs they think it's okay to have water that you can't drink. Mm -hmm. They think it's okay to not have good medical care. They think it's okay that our education isn't the top. Uh, it, it, you know, mm -hmm. I, our teachers are amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing is my mother, she was the first business agent for the American Federation of Government Employees out on Hill Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. uh, amazing. I think right now what we see going on with the post office, uh, how the, uh, you know, the union people are being treated, uh, we need to change that. The last 50 years hasn't been kind to them, mm -hmm. and I think it's, it's time that we did something about that. Uh, again, um, I'd certainly love your support on this. Uh, I think we can do it together. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, back to Jason. Um, kind of carrying on with Carrie's theme, how would you work with elected officials from across the aisle? It's no secret that it, if elected as a Democrat, you would have to work with members of the majority party uh, to get things done. A few years ago, I started a small business, and this business was uh, it revolved around purchasing property from individual property owners uh, for different municipalities to either widen roads or install amenities like water and sewer lines, things like that. What I learned from, from owning and operating this business over the last few years is the art of negotiation. I had to take a lot of courses and classes in negotiation to perfect that. And in the, over, the, over the course of the last few years, I've really learned what it means to, to truly negotiate and listen and practice empathy with people. And so I've tried to, to perfect that as much as I can. And I think that's going to be very helpful when, I, when I'm working up on Capitol Hill with the members of the other party. There is a lot of give and take and a lot of listening and a lot of empathy that needs to happen, a lot of education. And, and that's where we've had a lot of success with, with our company is that we're able to go in and educate uh, people on what the, the, the need is 
for this this uh, project or what the what the safety concerns are that the city has and why we're doing this project. And when you could tap into the why and you can you can work with people in educating them on why this is an important issue, then you're able to get them on board and it's a much smoother process on getting this project moving forward, not just in the acquisition phase on purchasing the property, but in installing the proper the project and, and moving forward for years to come, there's a, a community buy-in. And I think that's what we're lacking. We need we need to work together with both parties and I believe that a, a strong state is a state that has a strong minority party and a strong majority party and that's what I hope to bring uh, to Capitol Hill this this year that would be really refreshing <laughs> in the legislature um, Karina please explain your views on the role of money in politics and the public's right to know well, most Utah voters might not know that Utah is one of only five states that allows unlimited contributions for statewide races. So I believe that this um, lack of uh, reform on campaign finance has led to an imbalance in Utah politics where elected officials have a tendency to listen more to their donors than to their constituents. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, Utah voters are banding together and uniting on different uh, issues such as voting in the majority for propositions two, three, and four for medical cannabis, Medicaid expansion, and redistricting. And also we saw the tremendous effort statewide of people from all different political affiliations banding together for the tax referendum. So I'm excited to see uh, more civic engagement in Utah, more, more voter participation, and I believe that campaign finance reform is essential to all, uh, reforming Utah politics as well. In addition to that, I, th I believe Citizens United should be overturned at the federal level to, mm -hmm. to uh, lessen the chances of uh, corruption in politics. Okay. I agree. <laughs> uh, Carrie, what do you hope a Carrie Wayne term in the legislature will bring? Well, I think first off, with a... Uh, Peterson Brown ticket in the <laughs> office. We're no longer going to see the governor's time rented out to special interests. We'll no longer see the attorney general's office being owned and operated by the payday lenders. Mm -hmm. I think that it will also see where the state of Utah has a better public health policy than Costco and Target. Mm -hmm. I think that, again, we, we have a legislature who doesn't listen and I believe with myself in office, along with Jason, and I think that we will have that legislature turned around to where they will be responsive to the needs of the public. Uh, I also believe that we will be able to do better on education. I think that's important. I think, again, I, I was raised in Salt Lake City. I go down there and it's just green air down there. I, I cannot believe that after all these years that nothing seems to be improving. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that, uh, again, uh, public lands uh, is an issue for me. I, I don't believe that if we sell our public lands that we'll be able to hand them down to our children. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that they want pictures of 7-Elevens over Rainbow <laughs> Bridge. Uh, there's things that, that just have gotten so, because it's been so one-sided for so long, mm -hmm. uh, they just work with impunity. They, uh, they don't care. And I want people to know that this office cares about them and that we're going to do things in that way their parents their family everyone thank you absolutely 
So we have some more general questions that we hope all of you will give a little input in. Um, this one kind of taps on some of the issues that all of you have spoken about. Um, but currently, all income taxes in the state are required to be spent on education. However, leadership in the Utah House and Senate want to change that with a question on this year's ballot to do away with the provision in the Utah State Constitution. With Utah ranking 50th on spending, in spending on education, what are your thoughts on this approach, and how can we ensure more, not less, tax dollars go to public education in Utah? And Jason, we'll start with you. Yeah, I would, I would love to see the earmark kept there because, as you mentioned, Jamie, we are 50th out of 50 in per-pupil spending. And it's frustrating that we have such a surplus in that budget, and we're still not putting that money into the classroom. I was able to, to be a high school math teacher for a short period of time uh, a few years ago, and I saw firsthand what happens in the, in the classroom and how desperate these teachers need money and funding and help. And we are losing great teachers to other industries. I'm, I'm one of them. I don't know if I was a great teacher, but I decided to leave education so that I could pursue a, a, a career further in, in engineering. And so I've been there firsthand, and it is, it is sad for a state that says we value the family, we value children so much, that we are not allocating those funds to our children. So to do away with that and allow the, the legislature to take money, even more money, out of, out of education and put that elsewhere is just a, a travesty and something that should be protected for the, for the good of our children and for our education system. Great. Karina. Well, I agree 100% with Jason. Um, I do recognize that there needs to be tax reform. I attended uh, multiple town halls on tax reform that were held in Cache County and elsewhere and followed, um, followed everything that was going on with that. But I think Utah leadership needs to look at business tax breaks that they're giving um, and spending in other areas and analyzing that, maybe doing a thorough analysis of where the money is going, tax, where the tax breaks are going, because we have to protect funding for our children. We're investing in the future. We're investing in the future when we invest in Utah children and Utah teachers. And I'm committed to that. Great. And Carrie. Okay. Um, I think education is one of the most important things that we can do for our fam our children. Uh, I, like I said, I, I waited late before I, I went ahead and went to college. Uh, and again, it was through the encouragement of my mom. <laughs> Get your butt to school. <laughs> I can understand that now. Um, and like I said, we I see our school trust lands being sold off by the state. I see them uh, taking and giving tax breaks to companies and corporations that do not need tax breaks, uh, basically robbing our school system of, of monies. <sighs> I might be unpopular for this. Charter schools, I think, is the most horrible thing in the world because of the fact that we're taking a resource that we need and we're splitting the baby on it. Mm -hmm. And it can't be done that way. Uh, you can't run two buses down the same line serving the same population and expect to save money. Uh, there's just no way around it. Uh, again, Utah needs to show that it takes education seriously, that we are going to put money where the things we are that we think are important and and for right now it we're showing the whole world that it's not important here in utah and we're putting a burden on our teachers that's just unacceptable uh they shouldn't have to buy supplies they shouldn't have to work extra hours they shouldn't have to have overloaded classrooms and they shouldn't have to be exposed to coronavirus <laughs> it's not right mm -hmm. uh, we need to be smart about what we do 
So I'm hoping, like I said, that when I get into office, that we'll work on those things and get them straightened away. Okay. Well, that is it for our first panel. So thank you, Jason, Karina, and Carrie, uh, for answering these really important questions. So we're going to do a little switcheroo. So let's go to Chris Peterson running for governor. Um, your mic need, might need to be turned on, Graham. <laughs> we'll come back to you. We'll come back. We'll go with Chris. <laughs> Well, uh, first off, I want to say thank you to the Weber County Democratic Party and all the organizers for uh, scrambling and really doing their best to put together some opportunities for voters to learn about the candidates in this unusual election cycle. So my name is Chris Peterson. I'm the Democratic Party's nominee for governor. I'm also running with my lieutenant governor running mate, Karina Brown from Cache County. Uh, you know, my great-great-grandfather led a wagon train of 1,500 pioneers uh, to the Salt Lake Valley back Back in 1847. Uh, he went on to become the uh, uh, state public school superintendent. He worked for um, Zions Bank and was the Speaker of the House of Representatives. I don't know where all that Zions Bank money went because <laughs> I was born and raised in West Valley City in a single parent uh, household uh, to, raised by my disabled mom. We had very limited income and struggled to get by. Um, but I grew up and realized that I wanted to spend my life trying to make a difference, lifting people up and trying to make the world a better place. And that's what I've done my entire career because I care about people. I care about whether or not they're doing well and whether or not they're succeeding and having the opportunities to live the fulfilling lives that they're hoped for. Um, eventually became, uh, went to law school on a scholarship at the University of Utah and became an attorney. And I, I decided I wanted to be a law professor to teach and mentor uh, young people to try and make a difference in this world. But I also worked in the Obama administration for the new Consumer Financial Protection Bureau trying to make sure our financial services Services are safe and fair. Uh, I helped build a team of attorneys that returned about $12 billion in refunds and restitution to Americans all across this country. Worked at the Department of Defense trying to protect military service members from predatory loans. And I want to take that same focus and bring it here to Utah to see if I can't make a difference in the lives of ordinary working Utahns across this state. I want to increase access to health care. I want fair and free elections. I want to make sure that our government is actually looking to the interest of ordinary working families instead of privileged insiders and party elites. So thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm Chris Peterson, and I ask for your vote on November 3rd. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, Steve Olson. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I'm Steve Olson. I'm running for uh, House Utah House Representatives, District 9. Encompasses a big uh, chunk of inner city Ogden, uh, the northern part of Roy and, and uh, the eastern part of West Haven. Uh, my campaign slogan, as you can see, is hire a professional problem solver. Uh, one of the mottos of my campaign is we have plenty of uh, lawyers and real estate uh, salesmen in the legislature. Apologies to our future governor here. Uh, I'm different. I've uh, worked for 40 years as an engineer in Utah's manufacturing industry. Uh, solving problems using facts and data. Uh, nine years ago, I was uh, promoted to a senior level position where I uh, am a global problem solving consultant and advisor to uh, uh, executive management of a major uh, automotive OEM supplier. Uh, I'm a trained uh, Six Sigma uh, problem-solving consultant. Most people don't know what that is, but it <laughs> means I know how to work with teams and use facts and data to solve real-world problems. 
And uh, I, I believe, you know, there are 75 representatives in the, in the House of Representatives. There's a lot of us. But I think my unique skills uh, can play an outsized role in, in helping to bring people together and come up with really effective database solutions. Great. Okay, and Alex McDonald. Well, again, as everybody said, thank you very much for setting this up and making it available. Um, I'm Alex McDonald, and I'm running for Weaver County Commissioner. And that encompasses all of Weaver County. <laughs> so it's a big area to cover. Um, I retired mid-June, so what I'm looking forward to is serving the public full-time. My past 27 years, I spent working on organ, eye, and tissue donation, promoting that in both Utah and Idaho. And Utah, in two different uh, magazines, was ranked number one in the nation uh, on certain measurements for organ donation, and then uh, actually fourth internationally on being able to help save lives through organ, eye, and tissue donation. And that was done on a nonprofit budget with a small staff by bringing together people to form coalitions that included legislators, media, teachers, private business, charities. Uh, so it brought together a whole bunch of things, which, again, all of us are hoping we bring <laughs> people together like that to make big changes in Utah. And my focus will be primarily on Weber County, so it's a little different than some of the legislators. But there's a lot of issues in Weber County we've got to take a look at, and I'm looking forward to tackling those. So, again, thanks for having me here tonight. Absolutely. And, Grant, if you wouldn't mind doing your introduction again <laughs> for our viewers uh, out on the universe of, of the Internet. <laughs> Well, they could lip read. Uh, yes. So now we're all set. Okay. Uh, I'm Grant Prossman. I'm running for Ledge District 7, State House of Representatives. That takes in northeastern Ogden City, north Ogden, and Pleasant View. Uh, I represented that area back in the Stone Age from uh, 1987 to 1997. Um, so I understand the area very well. One of my first memories, actually, is a 10-year-old going around selling Civic League cookies door-to-door -to, -door to raise money for the swimming pool out there in North Ogden. Uh, and uh, I've been involved in serving the community in one way or another uh, pretty much my entire life. Uh, I think that as we look at the state, we have some serious issues that nobody's talking about. Everybody just wants to say all's well in Zion, but it's not. Uh, there are major issues that we need to confront, and they're just being ignored. Uh, my, my approach is to build bridges, not barricades. Uh, we need to reach out. We need to reach across the aisle. But most of all, we need to reach out to the people who have the problems. We have to be able to understand their situations and move forward to assist them. Uh, my wife and I have spent uh, the last two and a half years uh, in inner city Ogden on a service mission. Uh, and I wish everybody who lived on the benches could spend six months there because then you'd know what a tough life's really about. You really would. And, and those are the folks who are the working poor, who spend their time and energy digging out just enough to put a roof over their heads and food on the table, working sometimes two or three part-time minimum wage jobs. And they're the ones who suffer. Uh, the tax break that uh, was given to the wealthy people has not trickled down to them. Mm -hmm. And from, on the federal level and at the state level, the proposed tax bill that was passed by the special session and rescinded under public pressure was one of the most regressive pieces of legislation I've ever seen. It hammered the middle income and working poor people. Thank you.
Absolutely. So we'll start with questions. Chris, in 2018, the majority of Utah voters approved three ballot measures. What is your opinion of Medicaid expansion, medical marijuana, and redistricting? Thank you. I, I am uh, was proud of Utah voters when they came together and uh, by majority votes adopted three progressive, practical solutions to, to try and make the lives of ordinary Utahns better. Uh, they expanded Medicaid, which extended health care coverage to thousands and thousands of Utahns who were struggling to make ends meet. And they also uh, decided that it was okay to have uh, uh, medical marijuana when it's prescribed by a doctor and somebody suffering from a real disease. Uh, but And then also that we were going to have fairer legislative redistricting to make sure that gerrymandering isn't poisoning our elections with partisan division. We adopted all three of those ballot measures by a majority vote only to have the state legislature, with the assistance of the Herbert Cox administration, water down all three ballot measures. Now, you know, there's a word for that. It's cheeky. It's cheeky to turn around and say that the voters don't get to have the laws that they want. Uh, I'm going to listen to voters and try to implement those original ballot measures. And down the road, as other ballot measures come across my desk, I'm going to fight to make sure that ordinary Utahns who make their voices heard and, and try to have the practical solutions at the ballot box that the state legislature is and implementing on their own, that that, that vision is implemented for them because they deserve it. We all as Utahns deserve that. Uh, Our government should not be controlled by elites, by privileged insiders, by political insiders that are are getting their way over the will of ordinary voters across the state. I want to fight for those voters. I hope that they'll give me a chance. I ask for your support uh, this coming November. Thank you. And continuing on that thought, Steve, House District 9 voted in favor of Proposition 3 for Medicaid expansion in 2018. What role can the state legislature play in helping Utahns live a more healthy, productive life? Thanks, Jamie. Uh, Grant just talked about the uh, serving a mission in inner city Ogden. I currently have the privilege of being a bishop to some of those good people. My uh, Seven years ago, I granted my wife a, a long time... Uh, a dream to uh, move to one of these old pioneer era (laughs) homes and uh, our home was built by one of Lauren Farr's sons and uh, we love living in Ogden. Uh, uh, The people that I serve are not lazy deadbeats. They want to be self-sufficient but many of them the thing that's holding them back is a lack of proper health care. I've studied this for many years. Health care is a really passionate uh, thing for me. My wife's a, a lifetime registered nurse, uh, recently retired as an, an executive vice president of one of uh, uh, Utah's major health care providers. And uh, the bottom line is uh, I, I believe in free markets. They're very efficient, but there's nothing more economically inefficient than broken markets with horrible incentives. And that's where we are with our health care. And um, Medicaid expansion, which the people of Utah voted for, and in my district, uh, by a pretty good-sized majority, (laughs) is a good stab at that. We got a lot more work to do, though, to make sure that for people to work and be self-sufficient, they have to be healthy. That's just common sense, and we need to work on that. Absolutely. Alex, as some, the candidate here who covers all of Weber County, what concerns you the most about Weber County? Well, actually, there, there's three things, and I brought along a couple things to illustrate that, if I can use those. 
Uh, the first is out of the Wasatch Front, the four largest counties, we have the highest poverty rate. And I think it gets back to um, what you were saying, is there's a lot of really hardworking people that are working two, three part-time jobs, but they just can't get a break. And we have to do something about that. And it's not giving people things, but it's making opportunity available to them, maybe getting a technical degree so they can go on and you know, make really good money after a six or a 10 month course out at the ATC and doing that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to take a close look at that. Uh, another thing that concerns me a lot is we also have the highest unemployment rate. So something's got to be done. I mean, with all the resources that we have in Weber County, when we have BDO, uh, we've got Hill Air Force Base close by, highway system, that's great, rail system, we should be doing better than this. We really have to be doing better than this. And of course, we've been written up, Ogden's been written up in a number of national magazines as the place to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> and finally, I would just like to say, kind of the income gap too is we have the lowest family or lowest median family income along the Wasatch Front as well. So when you take the highest poverty, highest unemployment, lowest per uh, family median income, it doesn't make sense. We've got to do something about that. So, and those are the things I want to address. Absolutely, those are big issues here in Weber County. They are. Um, Grant. What needs to happen with the Utah education system to make it more relevant to real-world employment? Well, I think part of what uh, Alex said really needs to be addressed. Economic development's driven to a great extent by education, and the, the bottom line is, uh, checking with the Department of Economic Development, I asked them how many times they took an educator from the tech ed colleges with them as they went out to recruit businesses. Guess what the answer was? Zero. Uh, in terms of economic development money spent, it's interesting that of the top 10 startups that have been generated through the Department of Economic Development in Utah, not a one of them is north of Murray, Utah. None of them are up here in Weber County. We're sure getting our fair share of things, okay? Those are things that need to be addressed. Now, education itself, uh, I spent 27 years in higher ed and uh, understand it. Uh, public ed, I understand pretty well, too. Uh, there's some big problems there. The biggest problem is that standardized testing is the measure of success. Uh, that's what budgets are based on. That's what promotions are based on. That's what punishments are based on. Mm -hmm. Standardized test scores, that's ridiculous. Anybody in higher ed will tell you the only thing standardized test scores are good for is to tell you how well you can take a standardized test. Mm -hmm. I visited with over, the, over 30 CEOs in this area. First question, how important are standardized tests when you hire somebody? Half of them just laughed out loud. They're irrelevant. Mm -hmm. My question is why is the, the thing that we use as a measure of success in Utah something that's irrelevant in the workforce? That makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, I, I think we need to take a step back. We need to move our 18th, 19th, 20th century industrial model of education into the 21st century. Mm -hmm. We need to come up with a definition of what we want in a high school graduate and then reverse engineer it. And we can certainly use uh, Steve's help on that reverse engineering <laughs> and, and, and basically back plan the system so that we have a relevant 21st century education system. Chris, you've worked at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. How would your work protecting consumers inform your work as governor? 
Well, you know, I, I, the thing I'd like to talk about is a, a little bit about one of the big consumer protection challenges that I see here in the state of Utah that gets me uh, uh, going. You know, I, 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 I give you two quick statistics. Did you know that the average interest rate on New York City La Cosa Nostra loan sharking loans was about 250%? Did you? 250%. It's a very high interest rate. But the average interest rate on payday loan uh, loans uh, here in Weber County and all across the state of Utah is about 500%, a little over 500%. So twice the, the interest rates of the of the mob. Uh, and, 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 you know, a, a, a super majority of Utahns, not just Democrats, not just, but Republicans and independents and Democrats, all supports reestablishing some traditional reforms, such as an interest rate cap that says, you know what, hey, we need a speed limit on these loans. You can't careen down the freeway at 200 miles an hour. Uh, Low-income, struggling families shouldn't be put into debt traps that are going to hurt them long term. The public supports that. Uh, Republicans support that. Democrats support that. But you know who doesn't? The state legislature and the Herbert Cox administration, who's never lifted a finger to try to take care of those ordinary working families across the state who are trying to make ends meet. I don't believe that's what Utahns want. And Utahns deserve to have a governor that's actually looking out for the well-being of in their daily lives. You know, your pocketbook matters. And I'm going to take do my best to fight to make sure that you get fair products and services in the marketplace, both from and, and fair services from the government, whether that's our health care, that's our education, whether that's our uh, uh, tax system. Uh, you know, the Herbert Cox administration uh, supported increasing, tr nearly tripling the taxes on our food. That's mm -hmm. not the right direction for the state of Utah. It's time for us to have some reform. It's time for change. And I ask for your vote uh, in the upcoming election to try to bring that change to Utah. Absolutely. Steve, House District 9 is severely gerrymandered, lumping together communities like downtown Ogden and rural West Haven, which are vastly different. What would you do to ensure that gerrymandering doesn't happen again in 2022? Uh, thank you, Jamie. I, I want to comment real quick on uh, Grant's uh, subject. Uh, I've talked to Grant about this. Uh, I did pretty well in school, but I got C's in English. Uh, but when I was a senior, uh, I had an English teacher, Mr. Pate, and part of his class was teaching us how to do a research paper. And I fell in love with research and the written word. And it's changed my career. My ability, part of the reason I've risen in my profession is my ability to communicate via the written word. And how do you uh, measure on a standard test the impact of Mr. Pate? Mm -hmm. uh, I take the uh, title representative very seriously. And I, I want to represent all of my constituents, but it's sort of difficult to do that when I have three different cities in my district with three different interests, types of needs, I'm gonna do my best, <laughs> but it would be a lot easier if I had uh, more of a common uh, group of, of constituents that I was representing. And so uh, uh, we're going to be doing the redistricting and it, it's mm -hmm. gonna be interesting to see how the Republicans try to mess up the will of the people again. <laughs> we know they're gonna try, yeah. but the way we the way we combat that is to put more Democrats in the legislature. And, and I, Amen. again, promise to use my common sense, facts, and data to convince even Republicans that it just makes a lot more sense for Utahns to be grouped into common demographic areas for representation. I agree. We definitely need more of that here in Utah. <laughs> um, Alex, 
What would you like to see changed if you should get elected? Well, a couple things I'd like to see changed uh, is to educate people more on what the commissioners do. Uh, a lot of times I'll talk to people, and number one, they don't even know that there is such a thing as a commission. <laughs> uh, and, and it's interesting. And then, the, you know, you ask who's their commissioner, of course, they're not quite sure. But the other part of that, too, is I want to educate people about how much commissioners get paid. Mm -hmm. So it's something that people aren't aware of. They don't know who their commissioner is. And yet they're making, with benefits, about $175,000 a year. Wow. Which, to me, is obscene <laughs> uh, as a taxpayer and a voter. Especially when you compare that to sheriff's deputies, for example, who put their lives on the line 24-7 for us. They're making about $50,000 with benefits. Teachers, we've all talked about how important teachers are, and they're you know, impacting the future of our state and our city and our county. They make about forty to $45,000 a year, and it could be argued they're putting their lives on the line right now mm -hmm. every time they go into a class. Absolutely. So those are things I'd like to see change. That, that, to me, is just, again, it's an obscene amount of money. I think that should be cut back. Uh, when you look at the median family income being about $62,000, mm -hmm. what's wrong with a good professional salary of or with benefits earning of ninety to hundred thousand. I mean, that just makes more sense. And then use that money to keep teachers here and to pay sheriff's deputies what they're worth while they're putting their lives on the line. So I'd like to see some of those financial things change. Absolutely. And Grant, why is Utah's present tax structure so unfair to the working poor and middle income citizens? When people think of taxes, for the most part, all they think about is income tax. But you'd have to take a realistic look at everything. You have property tax. Now, when you're renting property, is the owner paying that tax? No, you are as the renter. You have sales tax that impacts. You have all kinds of license fees and so on that are just the equivalent of taxes. You put all those together, and Utah has a terribly regressive tax system. The less you earn, the more you pay. And folks only look at income tax and say, well, we have a flat income tax. Let me tell you, 5% of $1,000 is a lot more than 5% of $100,000. Mm -hmm. And we need to take a look at what we can do to equalize this. Now, the, the, there is a safety net for the folks at the very bottom. Not a great safety net, but a safety net. The ones who are hammered by this the most are the working poor and the middle income. Middle-income families working poor are just hammered by this tax system. Uh, one of the things we need to do in, in uh, assessing that is help people understand the tax burdens and then as a legislature consider the whole package together. Now, I've had some experience in the legislature helping things get through that were, that were novel ideas. Uh, back in 1987, when we had the many bottle laws, even though I've never been a drinker in my life, you know, for 20, over, over 25 years, that problem had not been solved. I took it on, we fixed it. Uh, in 1992, the analyst said that the Department of uh, Job Service was one of the worst in the state. It was ridiculous. There were 29 different programs in seven different departments scattered all over the state. Okay? Someday, when you have some time, I'll tell you the story of how a Democrat legislator with a Republican supermajority in the Senate, a Republican supermajority in the House, and the governor being a Republican, carried the bill that fixed that mess, saved millions of dollars over the years, mm -hmm. and bottom line, 
has been far more efficient for the citizens. That's what I'll bring to the table. That's amazing. Um, so we're almost out of time. So we're going to do one more question and we'll give you about one minute to answer. Um, but it's kind of hitting on what you were just talking about, Grant. And we'll start with you, Chris. Um, Utah's re Utahns rejected the state legislature's rushed tax reform efforts earlier this year. How would you ensure that a similar situation does not happen again in the future? Is I'll make it very clear to the state legislature, if I'm the governor of the of the state of Utah, that I favor a, 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 a tax system that is consistent with the old-fashioned Utah values that to whom more is given, a little bit more is expected. That's not something that I made, made up. That's in the Bible. <laughs> uh, and uh, those are our core values as Utahns. We do not want to have a regressive tax system. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we need to make sure that uh, the people who are struggling to get by have the lightest overall tax burden. And I'll make that clear. Uh, and if uh, taxes come across my desk that aren't consistent with that overall vision, well, they're going to have to negotiate and maybe they're going to have to get over my veto. Uh, uh, because we need a, uh, somebody in the governor's office that's not just going along with the same old, same old, and is actually taking a stand to fight for the interests of ordinary working people. Somebody would actually stand up and veto uh, uh, the legislature when they uh, try to triple those food taxes again. I will. And I hope that I can earn your support. Absolutely. Steve. Same question. Yes, yeah, same question to everyone. <laughs> uh, you know, I mentioned my professionally, I'm a team-based problem solver. Mm -hmm. And uh, the process that they use to come up with a 2019 tax reform bill would make a great textbook example of how not to solve a problem. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to be doing a mailer on that and writing a blog uh, explaining what they did mm -hmm. and how nuts it was. And then I'm going to do a blog saying, here's, here's a different process. Mm -hmm. And this is the process I would bring to the table of how to approach a problem like this and come up with the most robust solution. Absolutely. Alex. Well, being focused on Weber County in particular, um, I couldn't really address state tax <laughs> issues. Mm -hmm. But on a local basis in Weber County, uh, the three commissioners can set uh, the tax rate. Three people. Mm. And so they both make the laws and then they pass them and enforce them. Mm. And so I can't remember, I think it was 2016, there was a property tax increase of 21%. Wow. Uh, that's, again, unconscionable. And again, especially when you look at what the income and things like that for these commissioners are, and then to do that sort of thing, too, to the citizens here, I think is unforgivable. So mm -hmm. that's something I would like to take a look at and make sure that we make sure there may have to be tax increases, but let's make sure, like everybody else is saying, they're equitable and they're fair. Absolutely. And Grant, finish us off on this question. Sure. Uh, I sat on the Tax Review Commission for five years. Back in 1990, we told the state they needed to revise the tax system because we're moving from an industrialized-based economy to a service-based economy. The tax structure is based on sales and manufacturing. It's the wrong basis. So we need to step back and focus on the realities of the 21st century and put the taxes where the business is these days. And that's that's very difficult to do. Some other things, and and. I, I don't want a food tax at all except for things that aren't healthy. I think we ought to tax Skittles. I think we ought to tax ice cream. I think we ought to tax things that are negative, that have a negative health impact. And my wife will shoot me, but I think we ought to tax Diet Coke, too. <laughs> oh, no. 
uh, is a novel idea. Um, well, that's all the time we have for tonight. So I just want to say thank you again to our seven amazing candidates um, and our statewide candidates of Chris Peterson and Karina Brown for making the trek up here. So until next time, thank you.